Welcome to Beyond the Board, a podcast that explores the themes and real-life inspirations behind our favorite games. On today's episode of Beyond the Board, we'll be discussing the game Colt Express. Colt Express is a 3D board game using cards to coordinate a train robbery, designed by Christoph Reimbolt and published by Ludonaut in 2015. Colt Express is for two to six players, and a typical game takes 30 to 40 minutes to play. Enjoy the episode! I love coffee. Coffee, coffee, coffee. Num, num, num. It's really good. It is super good. It is exactly what I needed right now, too. You brew a good pot. Thanks, buddy. No problem. Oh, I'm Spencer Campbell. And I'm Mike Greenman. And this is Beyond the Board. And this week, we're here to talk about Colt Express. That's right. It's, I love this game. It's, it's a fun game. It's a 3D train game. So you're not just playing on a board. You're playing on, like, two levels of 3D train, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, very smart of Ludenot. But you're bandits, and you're trying to steal all the gems and purses from the people on the train. And if you're lucky enough, you can steal the loot box or the um, the payload yeah. from the front of the train from the marshal. Yeah, you. so you, you play as... Well, depending on if you're playing with two players or multiple players... You're playing as this cast of bandits, and each bandit has a certain special ability to them that makes them distinctly different than the others. And then it's a it's a heist planning game, essentially. It's a heist planning and execution game with a kind of an interesting twist to it because you have a handful of actions that you can take, and these actions are anything from go up and climb onto the roof or change cars to shoot your gun at someone or punch someone. Um... And you go through these rounds where, let's say I'm I'm playing Tuco, I'm looking at my cards, and I think, oh, now would be a good time like to start off by grabbing this money that's on the ground. So I'll put I'll play that card, and then Mike gets to play next, mm-hmm. and then I'll play a card, and then we play these cards face down. That's the that's the fun part, or mostly it's face down, mm-hmm. and so these cards get like placed face down, and they create a deck of cards. And you have to try and keep track because then we we flip the cards over and we we play out the scene. We play out the robbery. And it's really kind of a test of your memory. Can you remember? Wait a minute. Oh, man. What was Mike's third move? Is what? is he on the roof right now? Can I should I play this this shoot card? Is he on the roof? Can I hit him or uh, and you're, you're just trying to remember? Well, instead of uh, not just remembering, it's also trying to figure out your opponent and like what their next move is going to be. If you, right. Especially if it's played a face-down card, you're like, what do I think they're going to try to do? Are they going to try to move the marshal? Are they going to try to jump on the roof? Right. Do I have to be aware of that? Am I going to be punching nobody because nobody's in the car with me? And and then it goes on like that uh, until you get to the end of the train line and then the bandit with the most money wins. But in the game, there's 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 special abilities. You're shooting, you're stealing, you're scheming. You're you're being caught by the marshal if he's around because uh, he can move through the cars and mm-hmm. he can shoot you too and he's an NPC but at the same time moved by the other opponents so they can screw you over. But yeah, it's it's a really pretty game and they even have uh, little <laughs> little decoration pieces, pieces that yeah. are like armadillos and tumbleweeds and little distant mountain kind of things in the plains and it's yeah it's really fun it's fun replay value as well. Because you're always going to have different cards that play out different ways. And there's also an expansion that you can do a little carriage on the side. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that. Uh-huh. And then like it slowly moves back by the train. Yeah. Uh, and you can jump from the carriage, and there's another a little payload on the carriage that you can grab. It's uh, Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's fun to move them around and actually mm-hmm. physically see them in 
low the train car as opposed to just being on a flat board. Sure. So that changes things. I can only imagine what playing this game would be like if you had because it's it's two to six players and we've never played at least I haven't played it with six people. I can only imagine how difficult it would be to try and keep track of everyone's moves during all that time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's I mean it's really tough because you're really not sure. Or you're like, well, I'm pretty sure they're going to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you try to get around it, and it doesn't necessarily always work. But yeah, it's a, it's it's a lot more punching and shooting when it comes to a lot more people. Oh, I imagine so. <laughs> but it, it's really fun if you like trains, if you like train <laughs> robberies, if you like the Wild West. As much of, as we do. And if you like kind of that strategic value, too. It's not just you're running and gunning in and taking whatever you can. It's actually planning out the heist it's 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 a really fun game. i never thought about it being like a heist game mm-hmm. but it totally is except you're individually planning out a heist right. opposed to you're collectively <laughs> this is no co- there's no cooperation uh-uh. here. everyone <laughs> wants their their own cut mm-hmm. so um, that's the game yeah that's the game and and of course we do love the wild west and i think we we'd love it if we are actually in the wild west but obviously there are themes that have created this game and Robbing a train is is really the theme. And so we're going to talk a little bit about types of robberies on trains, really. Yeah, we should probably start with that. Well, yeah. Because this is something that actually did happen. And we should also preface this by saying we're going to be talking about train robberies in the Wild West period, too. Mm-hmm. Because there are even still kind of modern-day train robberies, like the Great Train Robbery in 1965. There was a, There's actually one, I think, in the late 2000s that was... I read about in near Chicago yeah, where yeah. they were robbing a train for guns. <laughs> right. And the two gangs found out about this based on the news, and they both met up at the station, and then they worked together to get the train, uh, the guns. And there were so many guns on the train that they couldn't carry them all back, and they got away with it. Crime really brings people together. Yeah, it does. It really does. It makes people work together. Mm-hmm. Except in Cold Express. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yes, we will be talking about Wild West era train robberies here correct so what we should first map out is what is a train robbery like because it's chaotic and cult express it is yeah you're planning and scheming but you're planning and scheming against a bunch of people who are also robbing the train at the same time so we should talk about what are some more of the the typical robberies like during Mm -hmm. that time period generally you would have a gang that you would come with a big posse that you would come with and there's usually a leader leading the posse and you would all either, A, ride up next to the train while it's moving and j- aboard the train while it's moving and then try to infiltrate it that way, which is kind of what Cult Express is, is doing with that. Right. And then as you go through, you're either l- robbing the actual passengers of certain like items or you're looking for that payload car and, and finding that to basically steal the safe. Yeah, that's an important distinction, actually, is that typically the focus was on that payload. It was on the, there's, on these trains, there would be a safe car, essentially, that held a a giant safe that had uh, either payroll or currency or even just large amounts of gold. And the, the bandit's whole goal was to get into that safe because that is where the real money was. Because there, yeah, there were passengers and those passengers might have some valuables on them, but typically you would really only rob them if it was like a last resort like if you couldn't get into the safe or you were just really that desperate for scratch Mm -hmm. like you would just take whatever you could or if you got into the safe and you realized that there was only five thousand dollars in there and that's not going to 
fly with your your whole gang risking their lives. Right. So you're going to try to get some extra little loot and uh, see what the rich passengers or poor passengers have on board. So yeah, you could either ride alongside the train, or even there were there were individuals who would board the train with the passengers, and then they would just throw up their mask mm-hmm. uh, once the train had gotten away from civilization, and then they'd start robbing. And then there was kind of the alternative method, which was like stopping and derailing the train. Mm-hmm. Uh, or just stopping the train. Uh, right. I think a popular way of doing it was just getting a red lantern and mm-hmm. getting in front of the train far enough away and just being like politely like stopping the train like hey if you don't stop the train we're gonna make you stop kind Mm -hmm. of right and then of course the conductor really couldn't do anything because he's got an entire train full of passengers that he doesn't want to kill right (laughs) and so yeah the the train would just kind of stop or uh, you know they would force stops by putting large rocks on the rail Mm -hmm. even even something as simple as that would be enough to slow down and stop these trains long enough for the bandits to get on board, do their business, and then ride on out of there before the law showed up. Mm -hmm. And most of the time, they would try to aim for that payload car, and they would use dynamite Mm -hmm. if the the person protecting the payload wasn't going to open the door. And so they would blow the door right off just to get in there, and then they would blow the safe mm-hmm. to get the payload. And a lot of the times that would end with the the, the person protecting it because they're, they're, they're hired to protect it. That's their job. They're not just to sit in the payload car. And so they're going to try to defend it with their lives, and a lot of the times they die. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit more about the people who were on the other side of this mm-hmm. a little later. This a little bit later, but yeah, that's true. Uh, when after dynamite had been created, that was kind of the go-to for trying to get into safes if you could get your hands on some dynamite. Otherwise, you really just needed to persuade that person mm-hmm. to open it up uh, <laughs> at the at the other end of a gun, usually. Uh, an example of somebody persuading it, and this is a perfect segue, would be Butch Cassidy. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, those are the, those are the types of robberies. So let's talk about who's doing these robberies. Yeah, Butch Cassidy was one of those people. Yeah, I love Butch Cassidy. <laughs> love <laughs> Butch Cassidy. Love Sun- Sundance Kid. He's just a wonderful character, yes. let alone a, like a real life person. Mm-hmm. If you guys have ever seen the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You'll see how charming he is, but that's really how he was. He was he was charming. He really didn't want to use a lot of violence if he could talk his way out of it, um, and I think that was smart for him. He, he even claimed that he never killed a man, uh, which is pretty. Out, I mean, if that's true, that's pretty odd or rare in the in what you might expect to be just. People who are just, they'll put a bullet into anybody if they yeah. give them the wrong look sort of thing. Well, I think what was the the first thing that really kind of, I think it was, he was with his gang, the Wild Boys. Mm-hmm. and Wild uh, Bunch. Wild Bunch, sorry. Yeah. And uh, and one of them asked, like, should I kill him? And he goes, well, let's all take a vote. <laughs> and right. so everybody voted, and then they voted not to kill him. And so then they just tied him up. It's like, it was that easy. Right. <laughs> oh, we don't have to kill everybody we meet. Which so, yeah. Is, yeah, we're really smart. And Butch had his... I mean, he's oftentimes associated not only with his gang, but with Sundance Kid, which was... Uh, the sharpshooter. The sharpshooter. Again, another individual that they claimed never killed anybody. Like, he would, he had exceptional gun skills, but he was, again, even if he, if he did kill people, it was actually a lot less frequent than one might asso- associate with a... A famed gunslinger, you're expecting him to be shooting cops or, you know, sheriffs down all the time, but he actually wasn't doing that as often either. And maybe that's because of his association with Butch. Uh, maybe he was just famous because of his gun skills. And mm-hmm. that's like people knew him as, oh, wow, he could shoot a, 
uh, fly, right, wings that, off a fly from 40 meters out. And that's why he never needed to kill anybody in the first place, because he had a reputation no one would want to shoot, <laughs> shoot at him, because he'll shoot back and he'll hit. It was that great part in the movie when he's walking away from that one guy who was trying to cheat him out of poker, mm-hmm. and he, sh- he turns around real quick and he shoots off his belt and then shoots his gun across mm-hmm. the room. That's yeah, great. <laughs> So I don't know if that actually happened. All but. the time, actually. You'd be surprised. <laughs> he just did that to everybody. But yeah, Butch and Sundance in the Wild Bunch were one of the more popular gangs. They they would ride in on a train robbery. They'd usually go together as a gang, and then they would split up afterwards. They'd go all over the place. That was kind of their go-to strategy, so that it was a lot harder for law enforcement to track them down mm-hmm. and get all of them in one big scoop. And then they would all go back to the hole in the wall, which is kind of this region where they had their hideout and everything, their their cabin up in the, the mountainside, essentially. <laughs> also with great scenes in the movie. I <laughs> uh, can't emphasize enough how much you really should see the movie, Butch Cassidy, because, like we were mentioning earlier, the dynamite on the side of the train, there's a fantastic scene in the movie with them using way too much dynamite <laughs> to try and convince a rather stubborn... Uh, express man to open up the door and let them at the vault and uh, just just check out the movie. Yeah. Uh, another outlaw in the Wild West would be Jesse James, which you probably heard of. The outlaw. The, I, mean, I feel like this is the one that you just hear of. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Even in pop culture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he was part of the Reno gang, or he had the Reno gang. No, the Reno gang actually was a different gang. Uh, Jesse James had the James James Young gang was it oh yeah the 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 reno gang is actually the gang that's typically associated with the first train robbery oh so uh, or they're the ones who historically have been shown to be the first train robbers even though jesse james everyone thinks of him as like the notorious bandit like the first train robbery was jesse james but actually it's this reno gang who actually pulled off a bunch of (laughs) train robberies beforehand uh they they don't get quite the, the, the level of popularity as good old Jesse. But he was a handsome man, and how can you fight against a handsome man? <laughs> handsome and charming devil again. That seems to be a running theme in our our bandits of the Wild West. Well, another one of those charming devils, Bill Miner. That's true. Bill Miner. I, he's charming in his own way. He's fascinating to uh-huh. me. I love this guy. He, he's the gentleman bandit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the one who coined the terms. Like hands up hands or up, stick him up. Stick him up, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm glad we, you know that term, the, yeah. one of those vague terms. <laughs> he, he's not only a gentleman bandit, but he was, he was called the Silver Fox because he was robbing for decades. This guy, mm-hmm. his entire life, as long as he could pick up a gun and start robbing people, he was doing it. <laughs> and he spent, he was in and, out of, in and out of jail his whole life. I think cumulatively he spent 35 some years in actual prison uh, but not in one stint, but just in a bunch of small stints. Because he kept he, escaping. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he just kept getting out of there and dreaming and scheming of the next big robbery that he really wanted to pull off. Mm-hmm. But a famous thing that he did was if you ever did rob the passengers on a train, mm-hmm. he would only rob rich men. He wouldn't rob anybody who was a working class man, and he wouldn't rob women or children. Mm-hmm. So if you were just a rich man rich white old man probably uh, on a train he would basically be robbing you right. so he was he was a gentleman even in that sense sure he had dreams too he had aspirations he he had i mean he he actually fled to canada for a short period of time to try and get away from all the heat that he had in the u.s but he had dreams of going overseas into like europe and even maybe even asia 
where some of those long and notorious train lines existed and try it. He just wanted to rob everywhere that he could. I don't even <laughs> think it was necessarily a thing to get rich for him. He just really wanted, he just loved doing it. And so I think that's just one of the, the more fascinating characters of the time period. I think it's one of the reasons why he probably was so polite because he probably was, he was probably really calm when he was doing it and, and very, like there was no, there was no anxiety as far as jumping on the train. And he probably wanted to continue to do it. And you're not going to do that by killing a bunch of people. And I think that's one of the reasons why so people like Butch Cassidy was so successful and Bill Miner was so successful was because of that. People were almost rooting for these vigilantes in a way. Yeah, that's the thing. They weren't infamous. They were famous. Yeah. These, these were like, these were the icons, the stars of the time, or at least a, a person that you could tell stories about mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, if, if they were just running in and slaughtering everybody, then yeah, they would be these terrible, terrible figures of the time but there's something you know alluring about these individuals it's super romanticized yeah I mean, I mean like and that's one of the reasons why we like it so much yeah. if i was in the wild west i don't know what i would want it like would i rob people maybe like i mean i'm sure i would hate jesse james if he took my one week's worth of pay that i've been working sure all week sure on. But, but like if you're somebody like bill minor like right. and only robbing rich people who can afford it right like i, I mean what a great standard to live by, mm-hmm. too. That, that's just a handful of some of the, the characters that were out there robbing. I mean, we could go on and on and mm-hmm. on if we wanted to about all of the different gangs that were out there, the, the infamous and famous bandits of all shapes and sizes, but we're not going to go on for that much longer about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. We mentioned before about the, the people protecting the payload, yeah. and there's a couple different people who do that. So uh, I want to preface this mm-hmm. by just giving you an idea because when trains first started, mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody to protect them because they didn't have that problem because right. they were just getting around to building the tracks. By early 1830s is when they first started building the trains. By 1835, there was about 1,000 miles of track, mainly on the east right. the east side of the United States. By 1850, there was 9,000 miles of track. So that's 8,000 more miles in 15 years. Uh, and, and by 1860, and that's just 10 years, it jumps to 30,000 miles. And that's when they started building on the West right. Coast. And they were able to connect both. That's the transcontinental right that, there. Yeah, exactly. So it just, it blew up. And that's 30,000 miles of track in the United States. And they say that train robberies didn't really start getting a popular or or happening until about the 1860s is what they say. I think they claim that the first train robbery was like 1866 Something is like what that. they say. The, but the there's no gang. Yeah. But there's a, there's a couple people who say, no, the first train robbery was in Canada or the first train mm-hmm. robbery was here. So, Well, uh, and kind of going along with that time period of 1860s, there were the train robberies that were, we know of, but then there was also the military aspect of train security mm-hmm. and everything like that as well. The Civil War was going on at that point in time. And so the 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 transportation of troops or munitions and supplies was incredibly important. And so you could think of them as robberies of a sort if troops were trying to gain access to or derail or stop or whatever what have you a train. It's almost a form of train robbery, but considered maybe more civilized because it's a part of war. So yeah, kind of that it makes sense that it was starting to happen around that time period. Yeah. Around that time period, people were realizing that they needed protection on especially these non-military type 
trains. And so a lot of people were putting together these little vigilante groups and trying to do it. But most of the time they weren't successful. Like vigilante protection groups. I say vigilante like right. you think about it. Um, like Batman. Like Yeah, exactly. Like Batman or like people put, like kick-ass. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. which, yeah, that's more what I think sure. about like failing most of the time. Gotcha. But the first police force for a railroad was actually on the B&O Railroad, which stands for Baltimore and Ohio. From Monopoly. From, not, well, not from Monopoly. It's from but, Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> uh, which you might have heard from Monopoly. Mm. And the chief engineer of the B&O Railroad, Benjamin Latrobe, started that first police force for the railroad, paid by the railroad. And they paid each man a buck twenty-five a day, and they were told, quote, to arrest persons engaged in riotous acts, dead or alive. I don't know how you arrest somebody dead. <laughs> uh, Bam, you're under arrest. <laughs> but yeah, he started that, and then it gave, uh, it, it made people realize, hey, we really do need mm-hmm. some sort of uniform, like, system of protecting these railroads. Because before that, it was the expressmen, right? It was just kind of individuals who were protecting the train at that point in time they were maybe hired by the railroad personally and it was just an individual usually oftentimes not even necessarily given a gun there yeah they to called them the safe yeah expressmen or watchmen right and they were people who just weren't trained th- to protect things and so they were given a gun a badge and a club right <laughs> and they're like go for it and then told don't worry 10 bandits might show up <laughs> just tell them you know show them the badge tell them you're not gonna open the safe. Oh, i'm sure it'll be fine yeah open the door woodcock mm-hmm. <laughs> but this all uh developing there was a man by the name of alan pinkerton oh yeah i've heard of and he he contracted a bunch of men and would contract himself and his men out to these different train lines mm-hmm. so they weren't being paid by a single train line. And these guys were amazing. They're professionals. They're real professionals. Right. And and they're credited with discovering and investigating a lot of the different robberies and figuring out what was going to happen next mm-hmm. or who ran off of the money or even who robbed certain things. Because not a lot of the times it wouldn't be just the outlaws running up and stealing a train. Sometimes it would actually be the employees of the train line because mm-hmm. they had m- more access to the passengers and the payload car. So it's kind of both a police force and detective like combination. Like they had to do some investigation work as well to figure out what was going on with these robberies. Yeah, and it sounded like that's that's really what they did more than anything else mm-hmm. is they were really investigating and trying to figure out what was happening because a lot of the times they would they would dress up like a passenger and board the train and then just wait and see what they could see about a passenger maybe taking over the train. Or they would dress up as an employee and watch their other employees to see, okay, who's who's scheming? Who's trying to steal right. from this? Who's trying to steal from that? Who's actually stealing even from passengers from their luggage? It's kind of like the... the are they sky marshals or air marshals? The, yeah. The, the, the individuals who fly on airplanes who are, like, they're armed and ready to stop anything that might happen on the, the plane sort mm-hmm. of situation. It's so interesting that the, the Pinkertons were so effective and, you know, they, they, they're they lauded here. They, they, they did good work in the Wild West compared to their associations in the East where they were these thugs and these notorious strike breakers and mm-hmm. things like that. So it's interesting to kind of see the dichotomy that actually in the Wild West, they use their skills for some pretty interesting investigative work. Yeah, and they were actually called detectives, which was right. interesting. 
But uh, Alan Pinkston created the Pinkerton National Detective Agency. Mm-hmm. And it was actually the first of its kind to, to be able to arrest anyone anywhere. anywhere in the country. Because most of those were decided by states and like state right. boundaries. But the Pinkertons were, were a big group, but also the bandit hunters, the Union Pacific bandit hunters, which a guy named Bill Canada created in 1891. And this was an interesting way of doing things is they would be on like a single car train mm-hmm. with with just one locomotive and one sleeper car and they would wait till a robbery happened and then they would travel at full speed down the tracks to get to where the robbery's happening or if the robbery just happened and oh. then they would all jump out and they would actually have oh, I guess it was it was one just single train they would have like two trains because one would hold their horses, their horses and yeah. then they would jump out on their horses and just go right for the train and what, either while the robbery is happening or if it just happened, and they would try to figure it out. And and they're all rested, and the horses are rested, mm-hmm. so they're certainly going to have a much better shot at mm-hmm. catching up to these bandits who are like dealing with the stress of the whole situation of robbing. Exactly. These well-rested individuals just kind of ride up and say, no, sorry, you're going to have to put that back. <laughs> it's basically like, like the police of the Wild West. Right. Yeah, without having to get cars, yeah. It was a really smart idea, and that was actually who who chased down Butch Cassidy. If you remember, oh. in the movie, there's that one part where, like, all of a sudden this train is traveling. Those are the bandit hunters. Oh, yeah. wow. Oh, that's so neat. I, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, that's and they were cool. super successful. Uh, they they ended up, I, between the two companies, the Pinkertons and the bandit hunters, they were able to practically get rid of the outlaws in the Wild West mm. because they were very... Very successful at what they did. Bandit hunters really were like, like they were the ones traveling and really getting it, and, and Pinkertons were really investigating and figuring out how a bandit's mind worked. Yeah, it's kind of the two the two sides of law then the the detective agency and then the kind of like the beat cops essentially. Mm-hmm. And in the West, they actually called them special agents. So, and cool. then in the East, they called them detectives. Like closer to the east mm. and uh so which which i thought was neat but they basically did kind of the same job but right. like one was more like a militarized militarized police force mm. and the other one was more like a detective agency right. which was neat that's so interesting because that whole side of train robberies the the people who were actually there to try and stop them is one thing that we oftentimes glaze over mm-hmm. it's it's oh remember that one time jesse james and his gang rode in and you know they didn't fire a single shot, and they took they robbed the whole train blind. And, you're and like, like, wow, they're so fantastic! Right, and then you know we we don't stop and think about all of the bandits that didn't happen or the successful robberies that didn't happen because they don't get reported because these individuals are out there stopping them, and they were they. It's so interesting to me to see this wide set of skills used in a way that you might not expect in the Wild West. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was just, it, they were so smart about it, too. Because whenever you think about, like, bandits robbing a train, you always think, God, they're the smartest people. Like, they mm-hmm. have the they have the one-up on the train. They always, like, they're, they're better in numbers. They're always right. beating that one person protecting that one payload car but you never really think about the smarts on the other side you only you're right you only hear about that successful Mm. robbery and not a successful (laughs) unrobbery well unfortunately in colt express there's only the one marshal that marshal is the only one on board protecting the train but thankfully the (laughs) bandits are out there to ruin each other's day anyway so i don't need pinkertons you don't need bounty hunters because we'll We'll ruin each other's scheme at the end of the day anyway. 
That's what happens when you go and try to rob a train with a bunch of... Uh, At the same time, <laughs> with people who are not on board with this plan. Yeah, you guys could all just split the money, but instead you're all greedy and you want to win. There can only be one. <laughs> there can only be one. Highlander Wild West. Mm-hmm. It's a new game we're going to start developing. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, you got anything else? That's all I got. I got one more thing. But the the Pinkerton National Detective Agency, J. Edgar Hoover at the time, liked it so much mm-hmm. that that actually directly influenced the creation of the FBI. Right, yeah. Which, so. because he did such a good job, Pinkerton mm-hmm. did such a good job and trained his detectives in such a fantastic way to notice every little detail. He he was like, I love this idea. And so it was, it was like a, a, an exact copy of... Pinkerton's agency. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was really neat. Very cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Check out Colt Express. Yeah. If, if you like train robberies, if you if you're a Butch Cassidy fan, if you're a fan of any of that Wild West era, Colt Express is a super fun game. It's got a little bit of strategic uh, elements to it in terms of this planning uh, and trying to remember what other people are doing or trying to predict what other people are doing. The game is gorgeous itself. It's fun actually playing on a 3D train rather than a flat board space. You actually feel like you're moving through the cars and climbing on the roof and everything. And with all the special abilities, you also feel like you're an individual, which is nice. You're not just nameless bandit number five. Mm -hmm. You actually have a little thing that makes you special as Cheyenne or Tuco or Ghost or any of those characters. Yeah. But if you liked listening to about trains and you want to hear us do another Wild West one, because I'm sure there's going to be be another another one. one. Uh, Or if you have any questions or comments, go ahead and email them to beyondtheboardpodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram at goingbtb. That's uh, uh, bandits. Trains. Mm, buckaroos. Got it. (laughs) We didn't use buckaroos once in this. But that's at goingbtb. And if you also liked what we did today, uh, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Because we... Leave us a review, too. Yeah, leave us a review. We like reviews. We're now on TuneIn and iTunes and Stitcher. And we're pretty much anywhere. And if we're not anywhere... Let us know. Let us know. Yeah. And then we'll try to get on there. Because we want to spread the love. Gross. (laughs) Spread the Wild West love. All All over the place. 